Good morning. Welcome back to many of you who've been on vacation and traveling, mission trips, and everywhere else. It's good to have you back, and visitors, it's great to have you with us today. We are in the midst of a series, and it's called uh, D90X, and if this is the first time you heard it, it's okay to crack a smile and say, that sounds dumb, uh, because it sounds like P90X. But yes, it's D90X, 90 Days of Discipleship, and um, because we are going to get it so intense about this, we've cranked up the AC in here to cool you all down, right? I see you shivering up front. I know it is cold. I, I have no idea what's going on, but that's okay. Uh, for those of you last week that were in the afternoon over at the Ministry Center listening to Mark Cahill, you're all doing this. <sighs> yeah, okay. And now this week you're going this. We just can't get it right, okay? We'll, we try, but hey, our goal is to be like Christ. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and changing the way you think. And uh, so that's, that's our goal with D90X, 90 days, be discipled. And uh, at this point in time, we've established three things. So let me go over those real quick so we're all on the same page. First thing is this, a disciple sees Jesus for who he is. We see Jesus for who he is. So repeat after me, Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, that's the first thing, okay? Then the second thing is the disciple sees himself as one chosen by God to fulfill a greater mission. Uh, you have an incredible Savior, and you are new in Christ. So this is what I want you to say. I want you to say this. I have value in Christ. Absolutely. And then a disciple sees value in others. Therefore, we're going to share Jesus with other people. That's hopefully something you got out of last week. There was a lot last week, wasn't there? So let me hear you say this, others have value. So we know this, Jesus is the Son of God. I have value and you have value. If we can establish it and start right there, I think we're on a good track. Okay, because we're, we're understanding this. You can't follow Jesus unless you know who Jesus is. If you don't know that he is the Son of God, a mighty Savior, you're not going to follow him. So we've got to get that down. And then we have to understand this. I have value. Regardless of how the world looks at me and the names and the labels and everything that comes my way, my lack of, I don't know if I can do this, my lack of confidence, my insecurities, Jesus says, no, 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 I pick you, ordinary you. Yes, you. You have value. I want you to follow me. And then last week, then we start looking out at everybody else and say, okay, so if I got value and I'm following the Son of God, you have value. This person has value. I need to share that with them as well. How dare I keep the greatest thing to myself? And uh, there's going to be some testimony shared. I'm, I just want you to be prepared because we're actually going to give you opportunity in a couple minutes to share maybe a conversation you had this week. I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, what good is it for us last week to gather together, have an incredible service, have an incredible training in the afternoon, and then keep all the good news to ourselves? There's some great stories floating out there, and we're going to give you a chance here in a second. Uh, but I want to re review now, okay, those three things. Now, what are the three practical steps we've taken? How have we put this plan into action? First of all, it was a prayer time. We had a 24-hour prayer time. And I want to thank you for being flexible. We had to uh, make a change last week in our location. We were going to meet at the ministry center, and we said, no, just meet wherever you're at. There's a lot of people like, I'm on vacation, I'm going to be here, I can't be there. And we realized, okay, you know what? Pray where you're at. We can do that. 
So I had somebody praying at the beach in Florida at 11 a.m. and then 11.30 a.m. yesterday. I had somebody in another time zone because they had to calculate that and I missed it wrong. Uh, so what time they were praying in another time zone on vacation. And so it was fun knowing that people were praying from our church all, all around. And uh, again, thank you for being flexible with that. Disciple partners, I've challenged you and encouraged you. Find somebody that you want to walk with with Jesus. Okay? You're not mentoring them. They're not your Jesus. You're not trying to save them. There's somebody who already believes in Jesus Christ. And together, you're just encouraging each other. Walk along. Hey, how can I pray for you? Like this week, I'm going to, you know, and if you haven't got the updates, like what are we supposed to be doing, they come out in email. Uh, I try to post them on Facebook. If you're not getting either one of those, let me know, and I'll call you. We'll start putting papers out here. We'll do what we can to make sure you're on track. This week, I'm going to tell you right now, read Mark chapter 4. That's the assignment this week. Read Mark 4, then give a call, text, phone, whatever you want to do, email that your disciple partner and say, hey, did you read Mark 4? Got anything out of it? Yeah. What did I get? Well, I don't know really nothing. Okay, well, what would you get? Well, this is what I got, and you share. Um, and then you ask that person this week, what can I pray for? Okay? Just ask your disciple partner this week, what can I pray for? I want you praying for each other. Okay? And here's the third thing. Last week, Mark Cahill was here and really challenged us to, uh, to share our faith, to start those conversations. How many of you in here got a book? Raise your hand if you took home a book. Excellent. How many of you, you can put your hands on, how many of you took that book and started reading it? Raise your hand. Oh, awesome. Good. How many of you took that book, you read it, and now maybe you actually handed it off to somebody else? Anybody do that? Come back there. Good. Good. Okay. Here's the deal. Those books are, are, are pretty motivating and, and eye-opening and, and very encouraging and, and gospel truth, right? I have uh, a couple boxes of those books st still in my office. So if you didn't get one or you want another one, let me know. Okay, let me know which one you need, and I'll let you know if we got it. We've got a couple of the DVDs. Uh, again, we are being very intentional, very intentional. Um, I've got a couple people that are going to share their testimony, uh, and I'm going to say testimony, uh, something that took place. Now, for those of you who weren't here last week, let me just give you a quick synopsis of what happened. Uh, Mark Cahill, uh, did, so you know who he is, he's, I'm what, 6'4", would you say? He played basketball with Charles Barkley in college, um, graduated uh, from Auburn, went on, and, and basically was a school teacher. From school teaching, he went into the ministry. And now he just travels around, just sharing his faith and encouraging people to share their faith. And when he brings it, he brings it, doesn't he? Uh, Colin was asking me, he said, man, he knows a lot. You know, he has a lot of time to read. I said, son, he's not married. He doesn't have kids. He's got a lot of time to read and a lot of time to learn. And, uh, and I, I sort of am jealous of that, but at the same time, I love my family and, and my wife, so that's good too. Um, but he takes that time that he has and really pours it into knowledge and learning so he can pass that on to others. And, uh, you know, last week I'm sitting up here, and, uh, and he goes, okay, turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33. We turn in our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 3. I grab my Bible like this. I'm like, it's 11.15. We're usually ending it right now. And we were just cracking our Bibles open. At 12, we finished up. And, um, and it was, you know, and everybody still stayed around. And uh, afterwards, to talk. And then it was, it was like somebody just lit a fire underneath this church. And everybody's like, I'm not going yet. You know, it's like, wow. We had 12 people signed up to show up uh, last Sunday night for evangelism training, and 70 showed up. And, uh, you know, go from 12 to 70 says something. 
Uh, I think a lot of you were really um, inspired by God's Spirit and what Mark had to say to say, I want to do this better. And so I, I shared with those of you that were at the ministry center, when we left here, uh, we went to go eat. Eating with Mark is a trip, okay? Let me say that. We got out of, I got out of my vehicle, he pulled up, got out of his vehicle, and I love it when they give a six foot four man a rental car the size for somebody that's like 5'2", okay? You know, he climbs out and busts out of there, and he, and then we're going to go inside, but before we can get inside, he's reaching in the back seat, oh, grabbing three books, there's a car getting ready to pull out, and he's on the window of that car, and he starts sharing Jesus with him and hands him the books. I mean, we didn't even get in the restaurant, he's already on the roll. Um, and like I said, we were probably in that restaurant for about an hour and a half, but I only spent about 20 minutes with him and uh, Dan and I and Landon and, and Stacy. And we know we're just, we, didn't, we didn't really see him much at the table because he was at that booth and that booth and talking to the manager and then talking to the waitress and talking to everybody in there about Jesus, handing out books, picking up somebody's bill, paying for their bill, sticking the $20 bill in the book, handing it to that person, telling them about Jesus. What he did last Sunday in sharing with you, I just want, the reason I'm telling you that story is because it's real. Okay? It isn't one of those things where he gets up and just talks. He walks the talk. And that was encouraging to me. And it was encouraging to me because my youngest son got to witness it as well. He got to see how somebody else does it as well. And um, so we roll out of there and Monday comes along. And Monday was a great day. Thank you for praying. Um, he, he did a tremendous job sharing. But after Monday, some more incredible things happened. Okay? This is where some of you start having conversations with people. You start taking that book and handing it out. You start realizing that, why would I ever keep this to myself? The greatest gift ever, you know? And uh, so we're going to have, uh, we're going to show a video testimony here of Ryan Lamb. Uh, Ryan and Abby Lamb have been coming to our church now for a while. Um, they're the ones that are now on vacation, so they couldn't be here this morning, so they were praying yesterday on the beach, I guess. And, uh, but he's going to share his testimony just to give you a quick back, uh, up, background of the story. Last Sunday, while we were in church, a tragic thing happened in Delta where uh, a mother shot her son three times. Uh, the son survived. And uh, he was actually a football player on Ryan's team that he coached last year. And so on the way home from church, he gets home and he gets the news. But out of that tragedy and what happened, Ryan had an incredible opportunity to share Jesus with everybody in that hospital room and so much more. So Dan, why don't you go ahead and start the video. Make sure you turn it up nice and loud for us. Hi, my name is Ryan Lamb. My wife and I have been coming to True North Church for about five years now. And uh, it's really made a, a difference in our lives. Um, you know, as far as me, I, I wasn't necessarily all that religious before starting to come here. And it's, it's been a big uh, change for me. Uh, and then all the way up through Sunday morning uh, with Mark Cahill coming to, to speak to us, it really gave me the, the knowledge and the interest to want to go and, and talk to people about, about my relationship with Jesus and, and if they had one as well. So we left this great service on Sunday morning, and I was all charged up and excited to go, go spread the word. And then I get home, and I notice I have two missed calls. Uh, I had coached football at Delta for the last four years, and uh, one of my former players had sent me, uh, or called me and said that uh, one of my freshmen from last year had been shot by his mom. 
uh, that morning. And so I go from this ultimate high of, of being excited to go spread the word to this amazing low uh, and trying to figure that whole thing out. But, uh, you know, we made it through the rest of the day, went to the, the 4 o'clock talk by um, Mark Cahill and learned a little bit more about how to go speak. And so Monday I, I was looking for some opportunities and uh, that player that had called me to tell me what had happened uh, said, hey, you know, I'd be willing to go over to the hospital with you if you want to go this afternoon. So we went over to visit uh, the young man that had been shot. And uh, on the way over, I got to have a conversation with the, the, the other football player and tell him about how my Sunday went and how I was excited to look for an opportunity to spread the word. And so when we got to the hospital, I was looking for that opportunity. So we were sitting in the hospital room, and there were about eight other people in the room. And, you know, this is, this is kind of a, a big group to, to do my first, uh, my first speak or uh, talking to anybody. But I, I still I wanted to try to be bold and look for that opportunity. Well, when you've got that many people in the room, there's you know, a bunch of different conversations going on. It was difficult to find an opportunity. So about 45 minutes into it, I figured ah, this is probably not going to happen. I'll just wait until I get an opportunity to, to talk one-on-one. -on -one. But then an opportunity presented itself, and I decided to just take it. And I had the opportunity to speak to all eight of these people, and we got into a great conversation about Jesus and and the relationships and I think it it really helped the young man that had been shot because he he really got back in that mindset that he needed to get back with his his church youth group and really get get back to church with with his because uh, he's had a rough time this, this past month uh, so at that point I thought I was done for the day and I, I felt excited about it it was really a, a amazing experience but then on the way home the football player I rode with started asking me questions because he was curious and so we had a, a nice conversation on the way home and I said you know hey I have I got this book the other day uh, from this speaker you know you might want to just take it with you and, and check it out It'll, it might help answer some of your questions and so when we got to my house I thought I'd just run in and get the book but he immediately unbuckled his seatbelt and hopped out of the car so I invited him inside and ended up downstairs talking for about an hour about this whole subject and it was just you know, for, for that to happen you know, one day after the uh, this, this speaker came and, and taught me how to do this, um, you know, it really showed you just how, how God works. And So I'm excited uh, to, to keep going. This was really my first opportunity, and, and uh, now that I've had a few successes, uh, I want to continue to look for those opportunities going forward. That was uh, very encouraging, and then I got a call the next day from Nate and Ryan about heading down, and, and before they were going to get down there, he got released from the hospital then, didn't he? An incredible thing. Um, and then there's other stories out there. I'm going to pause for a second and give you the opportunity to be bold right now and say, hey, I'm going to tell you a conversation I had. You don't have to go into great detail, uh, but if you want to just share uh, that. Anybody in here would like to do that? I know I had one that was going to. Yeah, go ahead. Never give up. Never give up. Be relentless in your faith. Keep sharing the stories. Start those conversations. I knew today um, when I was preaching, even though, you know, my sermons, as long as it always is, uh, that today was going to be a day where it's like, you know what, we need to share as a church. As a body of believers, 
we have been intentionally moving forward and saying, partner up, pray, share your faith. And I need to hear from you. How's it going? There's a group of young men here. They're not going to share. I don't know why. They need to. Oh, are you going to? Okay, then share. All right. Oh, are you waiting for me to ask you? Oh, yeah, come on up. Why don't you come on up? And I, I'm going to grab this phone, uh, microphone. I, we probably should have been doing this so that you can hear everybody clearly. Isaac, you might have to readjust this for me. All right, go for it. Good? Okay. That's good. Yep. All right, well, I know, I know I listened to you guys after Sunday. Uh, I left here and the 4 o'clock session thinking, wow, I really need to share my faith. Not only do I need to, but I want to. Uh, and so I didn't have the opportunity Sunday at all, but I was looking for the opportunity, and I knew I was going to throughout that coming week. Uh, and so I knew on Sunday after church, uh, a couple of uh, the parents asked me if I'd take some of these guys to the SCA event at Defiance College on Monday. And I hadn't really been planning on going, but I thought, okay, this would be another uh, good opportunity to hear Mark speak um, and to be challenged by him again. So I said, yeah, I would go. I'd take some of the guys. If I took these two, and then Mason and Luke. Uh, and as soon as I knew I was going to take them, I don't know if these guys know this, but I was, I was planning on it since Sunday. Uh, as soon as we finished there, going to the mall and actually doing it. And so we finished at the SCA event at Defiance College around, I don't know, 4 o'clock. And we had a, a half hour or so to kill, maybe 45 minutes. And, and they were kind of asking me to, uh, which I was planning on anyways. I don't, Again, I don't think they knew that. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, we just heard from Mark and we're challenged to go share our faith. So let's just go do it. What better way to learn how? And so we left Defiance College. Uh, we went to the Defiance Mall uh, with the sole purpose of just walking around and trying to find people uh, to share the gospel with or to talk to. Uh, and, and so we had some trouble starting because they were nervous. I was too. Uh, I'm still trying to work at this. Um, so the first stop we made uh, was in the music store there, and if any of you have ever been there, it's not exactly a God-honoring, Christ-exalting place. <laughs> so they were kind of joking and just asking me, like, oh, this is really the first place we're going to stop and talk? And I was, you know, trying to work up the courage myself, and so I thought, okay, why not? And so I, I walked up to the girl at the register. She's probably about my age, uh, and I just asked her to try to get a conversation going you guys have a Christian music section in this store? Which, when she said yes, that surprised me because I wasn't uh, expecting that. So she took me there, and I didn't have to ask her anything. She just started talking. She said, yeah, I'm an atheist. I'm, I have Christian friends. I respect them. I like them. But yeah, I don't listen to Christian music. Maybe some Christian metal. I like that. And so I don't even have to think about how to say She did it herself. And so I just asked her uh, how she became an atheist. She had grown up that way. And I just said I'd grown up a Christian, you know, just kind of the opposite of her. Uh, and we talked a little bit more uh, just in that area, and I didn't have the opportunity to explicitly share the gospel with her. She kind of took off a little bit after that, uh, but just to have the opportunity, opportunity to talk to her about her faith and my faith. And like Mark said, setting her up for the next conversation uh, she has with a Christian. Uh, so then we continued on. And if you've ever been in the Defiance Mall, there's not, there aren't many people there. <laughs> so we were, we were struggling to find people. So we went in the bookstore thinking this could, you know, spark some interesting conversation. And uh, I had a conversation with a 
lady at the register. Um, again, I didn't necessarily explicitly share the gospel with her, but I had a great opportunity to listen to her uh, and to talk to her and ask her what I could pray for her for. Um, and while I was doing that, was, we said it was Zach's turn next, and so he was trying to find someone to talk to, and I'm going to let him tell you about the conversation he had uh, with the guy at the bookstore. Well, as Landon said already, I was extremely nervous. My first time doing this, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but I saw this guy go in the back. He seemed like he was kind of busy, so at first I was kind of nervous. I didn't really know if I wanted to go up to him or not. Decided to. He had like six books in his hand. Didn't really seem like he was ready to talk. Went up to him, asked him, you know, what, what do you like to read? Guy kind of struggled with his speech, so I couldn't really understand what he was saying very well. But um, we started talking, and... Uh, I didn't get nearly as far as Landon did. I kind of had struggled starting the conversation, but um, he pretty much ended the conversation pretty quickly. I got, kind of got rejected, but <laughs> if, if anything else, I kind of planted a seed in his head. Maybe yeah. later he'll kind of get another conversation started with somebody about that, and his faith can maybe start. So and then it was Noah's turn. So we went to the kind of the lobby area. We're like, all right, Noah, start looking for somebody to go. There, there was a couple older gentlemen sitting on a couple benches, and we said, all right, you got two choices. And he, <laughs> so, and he went. All right, that's not how it went at all. <laughs> um, so they're in the bookstore talking, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do it. Like, if I just stand here, like, I just got to go and, like, just not think about it. So I just walk out, like, in the lobby area, and I see the, the two elderly gentlemen I walk back in, and I'm like, Zach, I need you to come with me, and like, we're gonna rock, paper, scissors for this. Like, I can't decide. <laughs> and so, uh, <clears throat> I end up going to the far side of the mall and uh, talking to this older gentleman uh, who actually lived in Defiance for 30 years. Uh, family's from Texas. I think he was uh, from Spain originally. And a uh, real strong accent, uh, just talking about life and, you know, where he went to church, uh, what he believes in, like, what his beliefs are in heaven and hell, and where he thinks he's gonna go. And then we really, really started to get into, like, the gospel conversation, and then he kind of pulls out that he doesn't speak English very well. And so uh, he kind of shut me out. But uh, just like Zach and Landon said, uh, planted the seed for a future conversation. So That's awesome. That's great. You guys have any other stories from this week? No? Yeah, but, like, we talked about afterwards. You know, maybe we didn't necessarily explicitly share the gospel with somebody uh, like I didn't. Or maybe we did, and we got rejected but that's okay, right? Because nothing else, it's planting seeds in that person's life, and it's setting them up for the next conversation the next time they come across a Christian. Um, so you guys, these guys had a great opportunity to share. I'm glad they got to share it with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You know, that's, uh, I, I heard that story, and, and it was uh, I got an email the next morning about some of that, and I was just so fired up because I'm starting to hear more and more stories. And then I heard another story last night uh, about a young man um, that went and sat down with his teammate during, during a game, during a baseball game. You know, these 16-year-olds are playing ball, and they're in the dugout waiting, and so a conversation got struck up about faith and found out that his teammate's an atheist. said, I got a book for you. To read I want to share with you and so another young man is sharing with his teammate about Jesus Christ and uh, then I you know of course uh, hearing all these stories and, and even Tuesday mornings every Tuesday morning I go up to Circle K 
and I buy myself a coffee, and I buy the person behind me a coffee. Just been doing that for over a year now. It's just what I do. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I wonder if those ladies, and the ladies know it. You know, I walk in there, and they see me right away, and I'm getting my coffee, and they're looking at the person at the register, and I'm like, yeah, go and get that person. And um, if there's nobody, you know, nobody behind me, we'll get the person in front of me. And, uh, and I thought about this. Do they know why I do that? And so I went in with one of those books, The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven, uh, with the intention of talking uh, with one of the ladies at the cash register. And, and we did. We had a conversation. Do you know why I do this? You know, it says in the Bible that God so loved the world that he gave. He, he gave his only son. If I believe in him, I'll have eternal life. And I'm giving, why the reason I buy these coffees for everybody is because I want to give because God gave to me. So I need to give to represent and reflect the God that I love. And as uh, so we had this conversation, I said, I've got a book here. Would you like to read it? Well, what's it about? It's about heaven and hell. Oh, really? So again, the conversation went on, and, and then, you know, it's just one of those things. They give you back the change, right? You know, you, so you just stick the extra dollars in the book and say, why don't you just pay for the next however many coffees come up? And, and you walk out of there saying, let's keep planting seeds. Let's keep sharing the conversation. Because again, you know, some of you think, well, it's easy for you. You're a pastor. This is what you do. And it's like, no, I was just as nervous as those guys were, you know, because it's like, I just do it, right? I'm that mannequin Christian. I can just wear the clothing and just stand there, and you should know I'm a Christian, right? Oh, wait. The one thing about mannequins is they don't talk. We can't be mannequin Christians. Not only do we have to walk the talk, but we also actually have to use our words and share with people and and uh, that's always tough because we're not quite sure what to say so we just start the conversations and we hand them a book or we we pick up a, a bill and help pay and and show that love and and it's an amazing thing and yes it's it's five after and I'm going to tell you to turn to Mark chapter 4 but I'm not going till noon I'm only going to take about 10 minutes here Turn with your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 we do want to turn there and I want to share with you something from God's Word and and uh, we'll pick up more on this next week. But Mark chapter 4. Incredible thing takes place. Again, this is the chapter you're reading this week. Share with your disciple partner what you're learning as you read through this chapter. You can reread this story if you want. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says this, As, Jesus, as, as evening came... Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, he was already in the boat, so they got in. They started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. You know, I've never really paid attention to that phrase right there. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. His head was on a cushion. Frantically, they woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when he woke up, he rebuked the wind, said to the water, Quiet down. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And they were filled with awe. They were amazed. And he said among themselves, Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, what an incredible story, and I know we've talked about this before. But when you think about this, let's remember how this scripture started out. Who said, let's get in the boat? Who's the one that said, let's cross over? Who was that? It was Jesus, wasn't it? 
Jesus was the one, and he knows what they're going to head into. How many times in life have we said, God, do you know where I'm going in my life? Do you know what storms I've got to face? Do you know the situation I'm walking into? And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I know. Matter of fact, Jesus in this story is the one that said, hey, let's get in the boat and let's go out into the sea. You know, 13 miles by 8 miles, this is a big sea, okay? It's rather big. And they're heading out to it. And because of the sea level where it's located, storms come in rather quick. And what were the disciples doing? They were just what? Following. Now, up to this point in time, they've, they've heard Jesus have amazing talks. And they've seen Jesus do some amazing healing. And they've seen Jesus toss out some demons. But they've never seen anything beyond that. And they get out on this lake, and this storm arrives suddenly. And I tell you, when storms come, they come big, don't they? Does anybody ever like, get a forewarning that something bad's going to happen in your life? Did anybody get like a, a week notice in the, in the mail saying, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know a week from now, you're going to have something rotten happen in your life? It doesn't happen, does it? It just sort of happens, just like the storm came up upon them. And these disciples, they panicked and they were fearful. And what amazes me is that most of these guys were seasoned fishermen. I mean, they, they'd been there. This time, it, it, was, it was a lot worse. It says the boat was almost full of water. They're about ready to go down. And then they questioned the love of Jesus. Did you read this? Look in the scriptures again. It says that Jesus was sleeping. And he was at the back of the boat, head on a cushion. Frantically, they woke him up and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care? You know, when I read that, I thought about that. Don't you care? I mean, care. Who asked this question? Which disciple? Which one was it? I would love to know. Which disciple was waking Jesus up and saying, Don't you care? Do you think it was Peter? Well, Peter's in the boat, remember? We don't know who said it. But Peter's in the boat. And you know what Peter said later when he wrote a letter? It was in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast, as the fisherman cast, cast all your cares upon him, upon God. Or he'll take care of you. I wonder when Peter's writing that saying, does God care? Yeah, he cares. I remember when I was in the boat with him. And that storm came. And one of us in the boat was waking Jesus up, and we said, don't you care? Do you really think the God of this universe cares about you and the storms in your life? You've had so much go on in your life. Do you think he really cares? Absolutely. As much as sometimes we wonder and we ask that question, Peter had to reflect back as he wrote that letter. He does. Cast them all upon him because he cares about you. You know, what happened here was a lot of fear got planted. And when fear gets in there, what comes next? Doubt. And when you start doubting things, then what happens? You start questioning truth. Don't you care, God? God absolutely cares. That's truth. But because I have fear, now I've got some doubts. Doubts cause these seeds of question. But what do we need? We need a strong foundation. When you have truth planted instead of fear, well, then truth develops faith. And faith begins to eliminate fear. Jesus is sleeping at that back of the boat, and they wake him up, and they say, don't you care that we're going to drown? And, and you think about this, don't you love the humanity of Jesus? He's the Son of God, but he also showed us that he was human. He was tired. He'd been working hard, and he's sleeping. It's going to be okay. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. 
He said, silence or peace be still. Those words that he used is involuntary. In other words, the wind didn't have a choice. The waves didn't have a choice. They were muted, just like that. They had no choice at all in the matter. The Greek word here means to be muzzled, to be made speechless, to stop the mouth. And then he gives two tough questions back at the disciples. Why are you afraid? You still don't have faith? Are you kidding me? Why are you afraid? The fearful meaning timid. Why are you so timid? There's, this word is actually used only a couple other places in the New Testament. Revelation 28 is, 21.8 is one of them. It says, listen, but cowards, that's where the word is used, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur, in other words, hell. That's the other place where the word is used for cowards, for timid. And Jesus said to them, he said, why are you afraid? Why are you cowardly right now? What is Jesus saying to them? You know, I, I, as I went through and studied this, I started thinking, is he asking those who are following him, why are you acting like people who don't follow me? If you're following me, why are you acting like somebody else? You still have no faith? I love how Jesus sort of said, what I'm trying to tell you disciples right now, this is a wake-up call. You just woke me up, but really, I'm waking you up. Don't act like those who don't believe. You're a follower, act like a follower. Don't be so fearful. Don't be so cowardly. Don't be like those that don't believe. Live like a believer. Be bold. The disciples were absolutely terrified, it said in verse 41. They started asking each other, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know what's amazing is if you read into the next chapter, go ahead, you can do that sometime. But it says in verse, I believe it's 6, that the demon, a demon-possessed man came running out of a cave saying, I know who you are, you're the Son of God. You know, the, the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ are sitting there saying, who is this man? And then the demons are coming out screaming, we know this man. As believers of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know he is the Son of God. So we need to start acting like he's the Son of God. We need to start being bold and courageous, start sharing those stories. When's the last time we stood amazed at something? You know, with, with, with technology accelerating so fast, nothing seems to amaze us anymore, right? We've got phones that do everything under the sun. You know, if you ever go back and watch the movies from the 50s and 60s, and you, could you imagine somebody transporting themselves 40 years into the future into now and just walking around looking at these gizmos, they would be so amazed. Like, wow, that does that? Wow, that goes that fast? Wow, you can talk to somebody right over there? Wow, I mean, they're amazed, amazed, right? When's the last time you were amazed by God? When's the last time you opened up his teachings and you read and like, wow? Last time you saw a sunrise, wow. When's the last time you shared your faith and you're like, wow, I can do this? It's amazing, right? I want to encourage you, you know, as, as, uh, as we go through living out our life for Jesus, as we be followers of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to continue to be bold. These disciples, just like some of us, started fresh, started young, started in that boat, being fearful at times. And Jesus sort of gets that wake-up call back to us and says, hey, don't be cowardly. I care. 
cast all your cares on me. Bring them. Bring them. I will help you get through this storm. Then you're going to see some more amazing things. And for each and every one of you who this week started sharing your faith and started those conversations, for each and every one of you, I'm going to make a 100% guess that you walked away from that saying, wow, I can do this. Wow, there was a wake-up call for you. Like, I'm going to keep sharing my faith. I can't wait for that next conversation to start. As believers in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that. That is our call. That's our command. We have no other choice but to be obedient to the God of this universe and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Worship team, would you please come forward? Is there coming forward? I want to let you know that this, you never know when your testimony, when your act of courage is going to change the next generation, the person beside you. I heard this incredible story um, about uh, Al Capone. Many years ago, Al Capone virtually owned Chicago. And Capone wasn't famous for anything heroic, that's for sure. He was basically notorious for entangling the, the Windy City and everything from bootlegging booze and prostitution and murder. But Capone had this lawyer nicknamed Easy Eddie. I don't know if you ever heard about Easy Eddie. He was a lawyer um, for a good reason. Eddie was very good. In fact, uh, Eddie's skills kept Al Capone from getting in trouble. And uh, to show his appreciation, Capone basically paid him off really well. Uh, not only with money, but he also had special dividends. He had a, a house that was guarded that was about the size of a Chicago city block. And um, his family basically lived inside this fenced-in mansion. And the estate was so large, you know, Eddie could just live that high life with this Chicago mob and uh, give little con consideration to what actually Al Capone was doing in Chicago. Uh, but Eddie had a soft spot. It was his son. Eddie loved his son so much. And he saw to it that he, his, his young son had clothes, uh, car, money, as well being education. Nothing was withheld. Price was no object. But in spite of this, all this organized crime was going on. Eddie tried to teach him right from wrong. Can you believe that? Okay, here's a lawyer trying to teach his son right from wrong who is uh, basically helping this incredible mobster uh, get away with so much. But Eddie wanted his son to be a better man than what he was. So with all of his wealth and influencers, two things, you know, he couldn't give his son, but he wanted to, and he realized he couldn't pass on a good name or a good example. So one day, Easy Eddie reached a difficult decision. That's this. I'm going to rectify all the wrongs I've made. I'm just going to try to. So Easy Eddie decided he would go to the authorities and tell the truth about Al Scarface Capone and turn him in, clean up his tarnished name, and offer his son some kind of integrity. And uh, to do this, he'd have to testify against the mob. And he did. And he knew that would be great. And of course, within a year, Easy Eddie's life ended in a gunfire in a lonely Chicago street. But in his eyes, he had given his son the greatest gift he could ever give him, and that was, son, be bold and try to do the right thing. Try to do the right thing. Now, that's one story. Here's my other story, and we'll close on this. There's another story that happened, took place in World War II. A lot of heroes, and actually I've shared with you this before about Lieutenant Commander uh, Butch O'Hare. He's a fighter pilot, came off the aircraft carrier Lexington on the South Pacific. One day he was on a mission, and their fighters took off. They were airborne, 
And, uh, but as they took off, he realized his fuel gauge that nobody topped off his, his fighter. So he had to turn it around and bring it back. But as he was coming back, he realized that there was a Japanese uh, uh, fighters that were heading towards his fleet. Now, he couldn't turn around and get his crew to come back, and he couldn't signal ahead to the fleet where he was at. So realizing he was by himself, he decided to do whatever he could to distract those Japanese fighters from getting to his fleet. So by himself, he flew into this Japanese force, shooting and firing until he ran out of ammunition, and then he finally then tried just flying his plane into the other planes, trying to clip their wings, whatever he could do. He did so much in scaring the Japanese that they actually took off, laid all thoughts away from their formation and headed home. And uh, when he arrived back onto the carrier, uh, they reported and they looked at his gun camera that was mounted on his wings and discovered he had shot down five Japanese planes and, uh, in his attempt to protect the fleet. Now, he uh, was then on February 20th, 1942, for that action became the first Navy's first ace World War II um, uh, award winner of the Navy, a Naval Aviator uh, Congressional Medal of Honor. It's quite an honor. Um, and a few later, I'm sorry, a year later then, he was killed in gunfire then, and uh, his life was taken. Now, most of you know this, and I shared this with you before, that his hometown would not let this memory of this World War II hero fade, so they named an airport after him, the O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Now, you can see there's a little documentation of this in the airport between Terminal 1 and 2. But here's the amazing thing between those two stories. Story number one was about Easy Eddie, right? Messed up life and decided I'm going to do the right thing so that my son will someday learn to do the right thing, to be bold and courageous. Butch O'Hare was Easy Eddie's son. He followed in his father's footsteps and said, I want to do the right thing, Dad. See, we never know when we choose to be bold and courageous for God how he will use our life as a living example for our children and grandchildren, our neighbor, our spouse. We never know, do we? Let's live for Christ. Let's set the example to those around us. And let's make a difference in this world spiritually for eternity. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome God. I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to gather here to worship you, to sing songs to you. I thank you for the many, many testimonies today. Lord, that's not us thumping our chest or sticking out and saying, you know, with the, with the pride of, look what I did. No, Lord. That was an opportunity for us to give a bunch of yay gods. As believers in Christ, we need to do this and do this often. And sometimes I think we just, just naturally go about living our life that we think we are doing it. And we haven't become aware that uh, we're not doing it as well as we could. So we try to be more intentional in following you. And because of that, Lord, we have a lot of great testimonies. So, Lord, this morning and all those testimonies, that was just one big yay God back to you. Lord, it's also an opportunity that when any one of us said something this morning about what we did, we're now held accountable to doing more. Oh, we've shared our faith now. We've handed out a book. We've given a few dollars here and there. But no, we're not done. This is our lifestyle. This is our journey. This is our walk with you.
Lord, help us to be bold and courageous like the disciples who were very fearful and amazed. It'd be a wake-up call to us that we can do this. It's going to be okay. You're with us. You're going to guide us. We're not going to be timid. You didn't give us that spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Thank you, Lord. We worship you now in song. In thy name we pray. Amen.